Welcome to the System Hub Podcast. Hola. Konnichiwa. Guten Tag. Where we interview world-class experts. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. I was fanatical in my 20s. If you could find a way to produce a business that works without you, your life would change like that. Extracting, organizing, and optimizing their best systems and processes for rapid business growth. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome back to the Business Systems Summit. And in this session, we're going to be chatting with Pete Nichols. He's the director over at Hubdo, which is a company that provides done-for-you marketing stacks for consultants and agencies. They basically build on best-in-class software, things like HubSpot, and integrate and automate lead generation, customer acquisition, and client engagement. Now, I was first introduced to Pete through John Jens, who happens to be another one of our featured speakers. And uh, he's also a duct tape marketing consultant here in Australia as well. I think you, you look after Australasia, I think. Well, I'm actually in, I'm in the UK right now, so I look after everything outside of US and Canada in terms of the duct tape marketing network. But in fact, I'm now supporting an increasing number of the consultants in the US and Canada. So we are mm-hmm. operating in uh, Europe, US and APAC now. So yeah, it kind of just ended up global. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think you'll be a real... Perfect fit for this because I know we were talking about what session you were going to present and the process you're going to go through is how to identify delighted customers and also disgruntled customers because that enables you to stay on the front foot using the net promoter system. Now, some people have heard of that. I mean, MPS quite well known. Some people haven't heard of it, but you're one of the few people certified to teach it, even though a lot of people like to talk about it. And it's the same process that companies like Disney, Lego and Qantas use. I know you're going to run into it, so I'll just handball straight to you. And then if it's all right with you, I'll just kind of chime in if I've got any questions as we travel. Yeah, no, that sounds great. So first of all, we love process. I think without process, you, you really just can't predict what results you're going to generate. But the customer delight side of process is not well understood. I'm surprised just uh, how few people that I talk to in business don't know about the net promoter system. They either know it and are using it or they don't know about it generally. And it's so easy to implement. So it is a process and that's what today's all about. So let's go into where it fits. It is the journey to customer delight. Whether you call them evangelists, advocates, promoters, just people who refer you to their friends and others, that is a core part of a successful business. Talk to business owners who say that um, we get a lot of referrals. And frankly, um, those are table stakes, really. If you're not getting referrals, there's something fundamentally wrong. The challenge is how do you get more referrals? And, and that's where it gets confusing. So the methodology, because we're a HubSpot partner, we, we're always looking from the flow, which is shown here from left to right, of attracting people to you, either word of mouth or through some marketing where a stranger comes to know you question them whether they like and trust you because they first will be a visitor and this means they've connected with you in some way. So they've come into your store or they've come into or come onto the website or somehow they've come across an email. So they've read it, but you don't know them yet. You can't reach out to them. But once you know that customer's name, the email address, the phone number, then they're classed generally as, as a lead. Maybe they'll buy something from you one day and now you're in an engagement relationship where they may come and go, they're kicking the tires, they're not sure, and at some stage they may choose to become a customer. That's really where the relationship, the long-term relationship begins because they're going to be a happy customer 
or an on-the-fence kind of customer uh, or an unhappy one. Challenge with the unhappy ones is you may have no idea that they're unhappy. And uh, it's the happy ones that get the attention, but it's the unhappy ones that, that can cause a lot of harm. The advocates or the promoters, the evangelists that you have if you're running a great business and you are customer focused, that goes all the way back to the start, which mm. generates more strangers. There's huge value in this flow. And each box of these has a um, particular process to follow to make it work. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So the, the common numbers were a happy customer will tell three friends, an unhappy customer will tell nine. But you look today at Twitter, Facebook, uh, just all the mechanisms that um, if somebody doesn't like you and they post it online, they're big numbers. And that's very hard mm. to, to counter because once it's out there, it's, it's out there, whether it's truth or you call it fake news because you're, you're looking for referrals and that's usually a very close relationship. But if they choose when they're not happy to vent online, I see this question a lot through consultants and, and businesses where we've got some negative referrals. Can we delete them? What can we do? How do we get rid of them? So, well, you, you can't. It's, it's out there. So the answer is that you need to change the way that you're operating because you should be getting positive online reviews. And then that takes that stress away because the online bad reviews get washed away with many more good reviews. So how do you get those? You can ask for reviews. It um, ideally would be an online review. If you send something out, what should that be? How would you prompt someone to spread the good word about you when people hate surveys? I hate surveys. I could get surveys stayed at our hotel last night. Please tell us about the service. I was really happy with the hotel until they sent me a 20-question survey. Now I'm not so happy and it was the survey. So we don't want to poison the waterhole by sending a bad survey. Um, so what's the value in this? Well, if you, if you want more positive referrals to help grow the, the, the business, beyond those ones that come in naturally, I see most business owners then turn to marketing or turn to advertising. So where are we going to get more leads as opposed to what could we do with our customer base that would generate more leads. What about keeping the ones that we've got? Because um, I, I grabbed a, a snippet here from Harvard Business Review. Amy Gallo wrote, depending on what data you look at, it's anywhere between five to 25 times more expensive to get a new customer than it is to retain an existing one. So this is worth spending the time to, to understand what can I do here before I go running fresh ads to get more? And there's a process. So this leads us into today of a six-step process that we're going to cover around how to do Net Promoter System. It's deceptively simple. What's interesting is that this became a phenomenon around 10 years ago. This book, The Ultimate Question 2, is the later iteration of the original book by Fred Reicheld. And Fred works for Bain & Company in Boston. He devoted his life to customer satisfaction. And Fred, through his discoveries, found that there were some very interesting things that certain companies were doing that instead of sending out 20-question surveys and upsetting people, they were asking one question. And so Fred called this the ultimate question, and he wrote the book about it, and that was picked up by many companies. So there's a lot of Australian companies that use this, so Qantas, Telstra, Westpac. In fact, many of the financial institutions use Net Promoter as their single-question survey. 
companies that you would always imagine are very customer-centric, such as Disney. Lego actually uh, attributes part of their company turnaround to this process. And it's not only commercial businesses. So the, the folks at Habitat for Humanity use Net Promoter System at different levels from how well is head office supporting the folks out in the field in the mud building the houses and how well are those that build the houses servicing the people that they're creating communities for. So um, broadly applicable. And I think when you first look at it, you may think, well, actually, this is so simple. How could it be of any value? And often the things that are truly simple are there's a great intelligence in the fact that it's boiled down to such a simple process. So I would bet, David, you've no doubt been asked this question before. Yeah, you see it pop up all the time straight after you've made a purchase. But oftentimes people don't attribute it to the source of NPS and they just hear that and they just think, oh, okay. Yep. So this is what it looks like. If somebody's NPSing you, they're going to ask you a question which is fundamentally like this. It will say on a scale of zero to 10. And statistically, that's really important. If you do a survey of one to five, those surveys actually don't produce a very meaningful result. The greater numbers through to the range of 10 allows a much more granular ability to segment out the audience. And the zero is more obviously bad. If you survey one to Mm. five, which is good, is one good? Is five good? So zero is bad. Uh, that uh, means that you, you don't have to explain the question. You just ask the question on a scale of zero to 10. How likely are you to recommend us or to refer us to a friend? Now, there's a lot of science behind this, not just in the number, but the, the keyword of friend. And this dives into extrinsic versus intrinsic human motivators. So, David, I could say, let's say you've used my company was something that Hubdo has, has, has done to, to help you out. And I say, David, would you recommend us to others for 50 bucks? There's money in it for you. Here's the bills. That may motivate you, but clearly this is a money-driven motivation and uh, that may work. And many businesses do that. They'll offer incentives to say, please refer us and here's the discount or whatever it is uh, for you. Or I could say, uh, David, look, we have a service running and maybe others in your family could benefit from this. Would you refer us to your brother or sister? And you may do, but it'll be a different qualification for you as to whether you would or not. To really... I guess, push the point on that. If I said, David, would you recommend me to your brother for $50? Those two things don't wash. It just feels completely wrong to think I'm going to do something for someone I care about because there's money in it for me. And that's the difference between extrinsic and intrinsic. So this is tapping into deep human nature of would you refer us because you feel a heartfelt value in, in doing that for the people you care about. So simple question, but really insightful. So yeah, we've um, we've all been asked this. You get off a phone call with, uh, if you call Telstra uh, support for broadband, whatever it is, you'll get the verbal question of uh, zero to 10. As you said, David, you you buy something online, you'll typically get this question. And if you've been into a store, they may send you some card or email to ask you the question. So that is the one question, but wait, the value actually comes in the second. So it kind of sneaks in a second question. And when you've said, well, give a a nine as to how uh, happy I am or a six as to how unhappy I am, 
you get asked for a comment, please tell us a bit more. So the process that we run is going to take this input and work out, so what do you do with that? Because it is so simple. What do these companies like Qantas and, and Telstra and Westpac do with that data? And the result of what comes in gets segmented into three. So we end up with classifying all those who respond into one of three groups. They'll either be a promoter, passive, or detractor. Promoters are those who gave us a nine or a 10. And if they leave a comment for us, and generally half of those who respond will, if I get 50 scores back that are promoters, I'm probably gonna have about 25 comments. And they're all gonna be positive comments. They are testimonials, really. And often they're the sort of thing that, that is the gold dust that you, you want to be able to put on your website, put on proposals and spread word about. So, But you'd need permission to use the comments because they're privately sent to you. Passives, to some degree, are the most challenging because they're on the mm. fence. At least the other two care. <laughs> they care positively or they care negatively. But the middle ones maybe just don't care. So the challenge is how would you motivate them? Because the greatest return on investment in this whole process is moving people from passive to promoter. Statistically, that's the, uh, the value. So you may get someone who gives a score of seven. And then when it says, please tell us why you gave us a seven, it says, oh, because I had really good service, which is a bit strange because you think, well, you gave us a seven. But to that person, they thought seven was okay. Someone else will give a seven and say they weren't happy with the service they got at the counter or the treatment they got over the phone. So that's the one that we need to dig into a little further. And then the detractors are ones that you generally need to make a decision on. This is someone who is upset, a score of six all the way down to zero, are not happy. We don't really kind of care what the score is. It's that it's six mm. or below. And so their comments will tell you what's wrong. And there's two choices there. It's really, are they just not a good fit for our, our business where they shouldn't have really been trying to transact with us? Could we we wouldn't have meant to attract them because they're not our target market or it is a target market and you've got something to, to fix. So the scoring is pretty simple, quick work of, um, of how this is calculated. It's just done on survey count. So here's a, a little screen snap. If you can see from left to right, the scores of 10 all the way down to zero grouped into our promoters, detractors and uh, well, promoters, passives and detractors. Yeah. So in this example, I've received some surveys back from the promoters. I've got 20 people who gave me a 10. I have 50 who gave a nine, so 70 responses in total. I have 14 who were passive. There's nine gave us an eight and five people gave us a seven. And then the other 14 responses, this is 98 responses in total, gave us a six or below. And um, in the formula to get it to a, an NPS score or a single number. I, I get asked, is NPS a percentage? Well, it's not, but it comes from percentages. So 71% uh, were promoters, 14% were unhappy detractors, and that's where we get the number of 57. We kind of leave passives out of the equation, but because it's percentages, they are built in. So in a nice, simple way, we end up with a, a score here of 57. And if that was our first NPS survey, that's our benchmark starting score. So I don't know, do you think is 57 any good, David? Would you say, would you say that this is generally quite a good picture in, in terms of what the customers think? Yeah, looking, I mean, the goal is probably obviously to get it as high as possible. I'm wondering 
just trying to think of whether or not that would vary across industry to industry, but I suppose not because it's really about how you've performed and if you've delivered on your promises. So mm-hmm. it feels low for me because I sit there and I'm thinking, you know, 57, it's just, just above that halfway mark, but uh, or, or the vast majority were happy. So can I fence it on this one? Yeah. <laughs> well, could you, well, you're absolutely right because 57, it's not a percentage. So it's actually, yeah. it's actually a really good score because 70% of respondents gave us 9 and 10. That's a lot yeah. of promoters. And now yeah. we know who they are. So we can love them up with a VIP program and do some things because we, we know them. But score-wise, you can see it's very, very difficult to get anywhere near 100. So yeah. 57 is actually quite a good start. And we've also got 14 people on the fence, 14 that are unhappy. There's some good data there where we can start working the process that we'll go through of how to improve this scenario. Apple use this in their stores. If you've been to an Apple store, I'm sure everyone has at some point, they use the NPS score daily to measure how happy people are that have been into the store. So measuring it every day is a way that they know when they've had a a good day or a bad. And I think that's really key. 57 here, it's not so much the score itself that matters, it's the journey. So Mm. if you continue to survey, you can say, well, our NPS score has risen, our NPS score has dropped. What's happened? We had some unexpected shipping delays that's caused our score to drop a little bit, but overall we've been improving. And, uh, and then something went wrong after improving the response time, something broke. So let's look into to what that is. Telstra, for example, were on the slide earlier. And when the CEO at the time, David Thody, faced having to turn around what was, I think it's at, at the time, was Australia's most disliked company. It was in the news around the year um, 2010 and uh, was faced with, how do I turn this around? Now, David himself attributes that uh, Telstra did have a major turnaround over the years that followed, and he attributes this NPS to being a big part of that because as the CEO of a very large organisation, he got the NPS results directly to his phone. So he could come in on a Monday morning and say, hey, guys, we're down 10 points. It looks like we've had some major outages around Sydney. What's happened? And they said, yep, David, yep, we're on it. We lost 10,000 customers, um, and here's why. So you've got the CEO. It's, it's almost like the, the reverse of a Trump situation where you, you're tweeting to the world. Well, here as the CEO, your customers are tweeting you. You've got this instant feedback. You know exactly what's going on. So around 2012, Telstra integrated this into the core of the way that they they operate. So uh, Robert Nason at Telstra at the time uh, is attributed with rolling that out, and that's been a success story. It allows them to measure, you know, Telstra, as an example, you'll have good or bad experiences in dealing with them, but overall, this is how they measure what you think, whether they're on, on track. So let's get into the process of how we do it. Let's do it. Okay, so, and this will come out uh, documented as per um, you know, all of these sessions. It's just such a, a, a great, an great initiative um, from, from System Hub to capture this. So I've broken it into six simple steps. The first is, is setting up the survey. Now, you can use tools like SurveyMonkey and so forth to do this, but I'd recommend that uh, you don't use a general tool like that because they're not optimized for NPS. Any tool that you use that has a link that you need to click to fill out the survey, you've already lost many of them because people don't want to click that link. They know there's probably 20 questions behind it and they've got better things to do. So 
you don't use that. You use a tool like this. So uh, what I've done here in the process, I'm using a tool called delighted.com. Certainly a favorite tool of ours. We've been using it for two and a half years since we became Net Promoter System licensed by Bain & Company. Kayla Belston is passionate as the owner of delighted.com to just build a tool that just does this really well. So you set up the survey. There's a 14-day trial, so you can certainly do this very cheaply. You adjust the sender and you adjust the subject line. So here I've got an example, say Portside uh, Cruise and Airport Parking Survey. I've given it the company name and the logo and the colors. And I've set the from, our recommendation is Pete from Portside Parking um, or Pete from Hubdo. Because if I had it, say, from Pete Nichols, they have, may have no idea who Pete Nichols is <laughs> unless we've yeah. dealt directly. So um, put the first name and the company. And then the subject line, shrink it down. The, the default one in the tool is longer. Shrink it down to just would you refer us to a friend. The magic number here is 36 characters. So you can change this if, if you wish and, uh, and trial it. But in our process, 36 characters is a magic number for smartphones. If you yeah. have a subject line longer than that, it's, uh, it'll truncate dot, dot, dot. You don't want that. So here in a nice short way, we've been able to capture who it's from, the person, the company, and what it's about. And that's what they see. And it's just as easy for the receiver to press delete as it is to press seven or nine or 10. And so that's why you get a very high response rate on these. So that's all we need to do to customize in step one, just get it looking smart, branded and short. This will maximize uh, the return. Step two is to identify who you are going to survey because you don't want to make the mistake of taking customer base of, say, 2,000 names and sending it out. You'll create a problem that you didn't want because you'll have a lot of data and you won't be able to respond to what comes in. So first of all, you identify just those customers that have had a recent experience. It's either going to be a transactional one where they've purchased from you, say online, or perhaps they've stayed at your hotel property uh, or they've had the car serviced at that garage. But it should be within the last six months. Uh, and we know from thousands of these surveys going out that the results do change if the experiences are much older. It needs to be recent. So export that, that data. The easiest is, is just export it into a spreadsheet where you can manipulate the data ready to be surveyed. And the columns should include some extra information for what's coming up next, which is segmenting. But keep it small, under 250. Generally, I'd say 200 for the first survey. And that's because you're going to get back probably around 30%. So 200 surveys is going to give you 60 replies. And of those 60, you'll have about 30 with comments. And as you'll see in the later steps, you, you need to respond to them. So you don't want too many. Step three is to segment this. So you're uploading the name and the email address so you know who's responding to you and also segment. A popular segment would be the ability to see scores between male and female or maybe by state. What is Queensland, WA, Victoria? Think of us. Is it different? And that can give you the insight so you know where to focus next. You just One number doesn't tell you as much. So segment that and that would give you a column name, email, and then a column for, say, gender, and then another column for state, and step four, upload. So upload it into the tool, ready to send it out. Best is 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. actually on uh, Monday, Tuesday to get a good return. You get these uh, high percentages back, instant feedback, and the tool will show you the comments coming in. It's amazing. It's within seconds, and that gives you your first benchmark score. 
So step five is how do you respond? Promoters, a rapid thank you. Permission to share, say please could we use your comment on our website. Use it with your staff, this is hugely beneficial, is to go back and recognise and share this good news with your staff and particularly if their names are in there. And then grab all of your promoter input and get do a brainstorm on what could you do based on the feedback as a VIP type program. Your passives, as we said earlier, there's a important to get value out of responding to them. So send a quick personal thank you. Some will be positive, some uh, negative. I'd recommend this book, Zombie Loyalists, talks about how to turn people into fans. So you can use this recipe with your passives to turn passives into promoters. And 5C, what do you do with the detractors? They're not happy. Reply within two hours, make it personal, deal with any urgent matters that they've raised and identify them into, they're not a good fit for us, so how do we not attract customers that aren't going to be happy versus something that is broken and we need to fix. So look at the comments to do that. So the last step is to bridge the gap. So there's a the process of meeting internally to discuss the results you call the inner loop and look at three things. What's broken? Was it people? Was it our process? Or is it our product? Quality assurance, you can raise corrective action requests to track through things that you fix and take ongoing NPS scores to check that you're improving your results. So as we've heard from Telstra recently, mm -hmm. they had a dip, but they saw their NPS score dropped. So their profitability of their company actually maps into the NPS score. They absolutely wrap themselves around this customer focus way. So this should go back into your customer database where the tool is linked to your CRM. You got a CRM, David? I'm sure you do. Yeah, yep, we use Nutshell and Infusionsoft. Cool. A lot of people don't have a CRM. I'm amazed. There is no excuse these days. If you don't have a CRM, get a CRM, have a database so you can build your customer relationship. Don't keep them in a spreadsheet. There's a free, great CRM from HubSpot. It works with Google Gmail, the G Suite. It works with Office 365. So even if you reply on your phone, it's all still in there. So that kind of brings us to where we are in the process. We'll share the documentation of the six steps. Now you understand where NPS fits. And we do have an offer, which is for a really reduced price, because this is just uh, people's labor to uh, have my team help with this. Setting up the free CRM, setting up the delighted.com free trial survey, and to run that first survey. Now that's normally 132 Australian plus GST. So we have that on a special URL for $24 plus GST, David. So you um, can't there go we are. wrong with that. That's fantastic. I think, um, yeah, there's definitely something to be gained from finding out who your delighted customers are and who those disgruntled ones are. It's a very easy process to implement. It was very, you know, step-by-step step with the right tools and everything. Not only that, to actually get it implemented for 25 bucks or 24 bucks feels a little bit like a no-brainer. So, just wanted to say say a big thank you, Peter, for, for yeah your generous insights. And I'll put all the details as well beneath. So if people want to get a, go ahead and get in contact with you, they'll easily be able to do that. Did you have any final words or, or we'll wrap it up there? Well, just to say we love what you're doing. Systems give you a repeatable process to grow a business. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to having this our full description of those six steps documented in, in your tool for sharing, David. And I think it's just a, a great way to systemize the planet <laughs> than, uh, than, you know, if you're a process guy. So I, I love what you're doing here. So thanks for making me part of that. Ah, pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. All right. Thanks, Pete. We'll talk to Brilliant. you soon. See you soon. Cheers. Bye. 
You've just been listening to the System Hub Podcast. Remember, we've documented this system for you so you can literally swipe and deploy it within your business. Head to www.systemhub.com forward slash podcast to download it now.